Um, so before we read the Bible, I have a bit of an admission to make, which is that I can be a bit of what you might call a closet grammar Nazi. Um, if you're not familiar with the phrase, Rich is identifying straight away. Um, if you haven't heard the phrase, it's just slang for somebody who picks up on other people's grammar. Now, I do say closet because I, I, I like to think anyway that I don't actually verbalize these and go and write on your Facebook post that you've spelled that wrong. Um, but I do actually often notice um, and I would like to think that it was just because I'm a teacher and therefore I'm trained to do it. But actually, back when I was a teenager, I have a distinct memory of looking at the words on the screen in church for one of the songs and being so distracted by the misuse of apostrophes that I couldn't focus on God. <laughs> um, so I thought we'd do a little... Um, oh, hang on. Pete, can I go to the... That's the one. Right, so you've got a minute in your groups. How many mistakes can you spot in these lyrics? Off you go. I wasn't focusing on commas and full stops. Commas and full stops not included. Um, all right, so uh, groups decide how many, and I'm going to see who got my answer. So decide how many are you going with. Okay, I'd like to hear who got, who found... Um, six or more mistakes that they think are in this. Okay, keep your hand up if you find seven or more, eight or more, nine or more, ten or more, eleven or more. Yeah, so I deliberately put ten in. I haven't included commas. These are the mistakes I deliberately put in, and that is the corrected version. Um, did anybody spot Matt Redman? Yeah. Technically, that's not grammar, but you definitely don't spell Matt with one T. Anyway, <laughs> um, those of you who, um, can we blank the screen, is there? Yeah, just because as much as grammar is very exciting. Um, so if you, like me, and presumably Rich, um, are also a bit of a stickler for grammar, you might sympathize with me on this recent experience I had. So at the end of term, uh, I was asked to present a quite significant award to a student at school. This was the Assistant Principal Award. Lovely. And this girl was to come up, get this prize, get the certificate, and get this engraved trophy. Um, and I would say some nice things about it, and, and very, very good. And it did. However, I realized, as I was giving it out, that this is what the trophy looked like. Can anybody tell me why I would have cringed with this? Lynn knows. Lynn, what is it? Principle. That's wrong. That is the version of sticking to your principles, not the role of assistant principal, which is AL. So um, I was cringing quite a lot at this. Um, but I would hope that regardless, the child looks at this trophy, which is presumably now in her bedroom, and doesn't focus on the error, but more focuses on the message, which is the recognition of her uh, good work throughout the year. Um, and I think um, the, the 
point I want to make with this is sometimes it's easy to get hung up on the method of how something is delivered uh, rather than paying attention to the message which it's communicating. Um, and I think actually one good example of this in church is actually of sermons where um, you like to think about the speaker. So for example, what interesting accent does that speaker currently have? Or does that speaker suit that hair color? Um, or how long are they gone on for? Or how funny are they? How interesting? How biblical? Whatever your criteria are, I think we all do it to a certain extent. And again, it's, it's easy to think much more about the method rather than about the message. Um, I remember Johnny being on a placement up in a church in the northeast when he was training for ministry um, and he got a lot of feedback from the congregation, all lovely and positive encouraging stuff, but the comments were things like, oh you have a lovely voice, or you speak very clearly, or I could actually hear you, <laughs> which are all great, but definitely focusing on the method much more than his actual message. So let's have a look at the Bible message. Uh, it's from Acts chapter 8, um, and it's on page 1101, so 1101, it's on the screen, and you've got Bibles in front of you. If you haven't got one, do help yourself. Um, so I'm actually going to start slightly earlier than what's on the screen. I'm going to start at page uh, verse 4, right, which is under the title, Philip in Samaria. So verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the gospel there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And, and on to verse 9, Simon the sorcerer. Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might, be, they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness, and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin." Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. 
So, um, if we look back at Philip in this story, we can see he's doing two main things. Uh, the first is proclaiming the Messiah, and the second is um, performing signs and wonders. Okay, So two main things. And as you might know from elsewhere in scripture, um, Jesus has been to Samaria. He meets the woman at the well there. And she was aware, just as other Samarians would have been, that actually the Messiah was coming. And so Philip was coming to the Samarian people and saying, guess what? He's actually arrived. It's Jesus. And turn to him and follow him. Um, and this message, the first thing he's doing, accompanies the second thing he's doing, which is the method. Um, in order to sort of, I guess, demonstrate this to people he's performing signs and wonders and examples there are talking about impure spirits coming out of people and people who are paralyzed and lame becoming healed um, and I don't know about you but I certainly find that if something a, a theory is demonstrated in practice I find it much easier to believe that it's true okay so that people can theorize about lots of things but when I see it in action I go yes I believe that I can see the empirical evidence that that is in fact the case um, so with Jesus being Messiah, however, he'd already gone back up to heaven at the ascension. He wasn't physically here. Philip couldn't go, Jesus is the Messiah, and here he is. He's not physically there. However, his, his theory, his words, his speaking and pre preaching about Jesus are backed up um, by, um, by God and allowing the Holy Spirit to work through Philip and um, so on. And actually, it talks about how they pay close attention to him. I think partly why they believed was because they could see it at work in action. And you can see there that the response of him proclaiming it is that they were baptized and they chose to follow Jesus. So the other main person you can see there on the right is Simon. Um, and I've just copied some of the text so you can see it. Um, and we're almost looking a little bit to compare the two. Um, now the first thing is it says Simon is a sorcerer. If you don't know that word, it basically means a magician. So somebody who is um, at least apparently performing supernatural miracles, things that amaze people, they astonish people. Um, and, and there's no sort of given explanation as to why. So there are some similarities if we look between Philip and Simon. Both of them actually are performing um, signs and wonders. Both of them are amazing and astonishing people with what they can do. Um, however, some of the differences, Simon boasts in how great he is. So he's clearly showing off and going, look what I can do. And the people are calling him the great power of God. They're attributing to him the, the honor that really should go to God in heaven. And they're saying, actually, Simon, you are amazing. Um, and some of the text at the time sort of implies that actually they prayed to him. Um, and certainly there's an idea of profit in this. So they would pay him to basically have him perform a miracle. Um, and so by contrast, um, you know, they are following Simon, whereas what Philip is doing is trying to get people to follow Jesus. Um, now, I do find it interesting. What did Simon do when Philip showed up? You can see here at the bottom, um, he was actually amazed at what Philip could do. He wasn't a skeptic. Um, it talks about this in the passage. You know, he followed Philip round. He wasn't thinking, oh, this guy's a charlatan. He was in the business of doing magic and knew that actually this was real. This was real power from God, better than his own power. And he was ready to give up his own power to have some of what Philip had. Hence why he um, you know, offered the disciples money to have some of that. Um, the implication here, by the way, is very clearly that he offered them money, not just to have the Holy Spirit, but so that he could make money. 
off this. So he would intend to use it to make money for himself, to make profit. Um, And the sad thing is that um, this isn't in the Bible, but it's well documented elsewhere from other ancient texts um, that Simon did not repent. He didn't follow Jesus and actually he continued to be um, a sorcerer and make money off his magic. So um, as Johnny... Uh, mentioned earlier, a lot of us were at the New Wine Festival in Peterborough, um, and there was a story from the first evening at one of the uh, venues, the arena venue where I was. Um, oh, sorry, different story. Uh, anyway, I went to this seminar uh, by a guy called Simon Gilbo, who is a missionary out in Burundi, a really interesting guy, and he tells this story, so I'm going to read it to you. Um, a famous witch doctor called Makari received what he thought were prospective clients into his den. McCary's reputation went before him. And so our evangelists, this is Simon's evangelist team, wanted to challenge McCary's authority. When the evangelists revealed who they were, that they were Christians, the power of the Holy Spirit came on McCary and he fell backwards to the ground, almost like fainting. When McCary came round, he sat and listened to their preaching. He chose to believe in Jesus and asked the evangelist to return two days later when he would publicly burn all his charms. So he was so convinced by what had happened that this was really God. When the evangelist returned, they found McCary had invited all of his relatives and other witch doctor friends. Um, he declared before all of them that he had now turned to Christ, that, he was, that Christ was the greatest power, and he proceeded to burn all his witch doctor charms. Um, At that point, the evangelist team came and preached, and a further 50 people decided to follow Jesus. Uh, McCary is now a member of Emmanuel Church, along with his family. So I thought it was a pretty fascinating story. Uh, So I saw it in Burundi. Um, Like Simon in the passage in Acts, McCary, the witch doctor, was used to seeing magical supernatural powers at work. Like Simon, McCary recognised and acknowledged that there was indeed a power that was stronger than his own, at the power of the Holy Spirit of God. But unlike Simon, McCary chose to turn away from his spells, to turn away from his lifestyle trying to profit from this, and decided to turn to Jesus for salvation. So I don't know what your background is, you may not identify at all with this idea of magic or supernatural stuff happening, Um, But I think there are versions of this that we can have in the Western church uh, where maybe we see something that's done in the power of God and we focus way more on the thing rather than on God. So we focus on the method rather than the message. Um, So another example from New Wine this week. Um, That's New Wine if you've never been. Um, And um, so this is the first evening and um, there was an opportunity for people to go forward to get prayed for. And this lady went up, um, and Paul Harcourt, who, who leads New Wine, um, started praying for her. Um, and what had happened to this lady was that two years ago, actually at New Wine, she had tripped over. I don't know if it's over a tent wire or whatever. Anyway, she'd fallen over, and she had badly damaged her wrist. So much so that um, it didn't get better from physio or anything else. She had to have an operation on it. And in this operation, they took out three inches of bone and replaced it with plastic and metal. At the same time, they cut and cauterized her nerves so that basically her wrist was, she had no feeling from there on down and and it was sort of stuck in a fairly uh, just sort of normal position. She couldn't really use it, she couldn't rotate it and so on. Anyway, as Paul prayed for her, she suddenly could feel his hand on hers 
um, which she hadn't been able to do. So she regained sensation in her wrist and her wrist started shaking. Um, we saw some of this. And, you know, she started to be able to rotate and flex her wrist. Um, now, I was sitting next to a friend of mine who's a physiotherapist. Um, I mean, I was completely astonished. And I just turned around to her and was like, is that actually possible? And she's like, that's a miracle. Um, now, I'm not sure if the lady gained complete and full rotation, but it was certainly the majority of her movement was regained to her, um, which I think is amazing. Um, but in terms of this idea of the method versus the message, it would be wrong, actually, if, as amazing as this is, we started all focusing on this sign, on this miracle, at the expense of what that sign points to. If rather than being inspired to worship Jesus for how he has shown his love, his compassion, his power, we actually started focusing on the details. So things like, oh, it was Paul Harcourt that prayed. Therefore, he's the one who needs to pray for me. And actually, there's no point in anybody else praying for me because it's only Paul that God loves. Or, actually, while this lady was being prayed for, Paul said these words. And these are the only words that God will work through. And so it has to be this set of statements. Or perhaps, you know, the band were playing this song in the background. And so that's the song that God works through. Or maybe it's at New Wine Festival. And so that's the place we need to go to if we want to meet with God. He can't meet with us here and so on okay so the idea that actually we focus so much on the specifics of what happened that we actually miss what that miracle was pointing to um, you know we miss the miracle giver and again we just get so hung up on the method of how God has demonstrated his love demonstrated his power that we miss the key message um, now Johnny spoke earlier we did the thing at the beginning to do with the truth or myths um, I must admit, I definitely heard that chewing gum one the entire time I was growing up. Um, the myth that Simon believed here um, is basically talking about verses 18 and 19. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he also offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So in this, um, Simon basically is acting in such a way that he thinks Peter and John and Philip are this elite group, okay? They are the special few. Those are the ones that God is using. And actually, how do I get into that group? Well, I clearly got to pay money. God wouldn't want to use me as I am. I have to pay to be part of that group. Um, and actually, there's a whole lot of stuff in the Bible about why that's not true. So if we reverse a few weeks ago to Pentecost, um, Acts 2, it talks about how the Holy Spirit was poured out on all people. It talks about men, women, young, old. Um, elsewhere in Acts, we see it's actually Jews and Gentiles. You know, people aren't excluded um, because they're not part of this special group. Um, in Romans 8, verse 10, it talks about how um, we have got, as Christians, the same power that Jesus had. Um, and in John 14, verse 12, uh, Jesus says himself, um, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And so there's very clearly this idea that actually all of us are invited um, to work with the Holy Spirit. It's not just for a select few like Paul Harcourt or just Philip or just Peter and John. Um, and actually it's not about paying or having the special position. Um, it's not about just those people who've done a theology degree or just those people who are 55 and up or you know, just those people who are seen as the holiest of Christians and have a special you know, privileged place. Um, actually the Holy Spirit is a free gift to point people to Jesus. Um, so I think um, my nephew demonstrates this idea a little bit. 
so my nephew Jack is only nine months old, so slightly younger um, than Phoebe, who's just had her first birthday. Happy belated birthday, Phoebe. Um, and we just went on holiday with him to Bulgaria for a week, which is lovely. Um, and he's such a like, happy, happy kid, um, but he needs constant entertainment. Um, so to distract him, we started pointing out different things that might interest him. So you're like, look, Jack, there's a bird. And Jack is very excited, and he, he's learning to point. And... Um, but I think half the time, the distraction wasn't really that he thought the bird was great. He saw our hand and saw us getting excited. And he looks at the hand and goes, that's a great hand. I'm so excited by the hand. Misses the bird. And I think there's a little bit of that where, like from the spiritual things, actually we can focus on this sign and miss what the sign is really pointing to. So with the lyrics of the songs, we get so hung up on the grammar of how things are actually presented that we miss the amazing truth of some of these songs, some of these lyrics, you know, talking about Jesus. Um, with the certificate I talked about, you know, um, you get so hung up on the fact that it's wrong, and it is, um, but, but actually the message was very much that, you know, this, this person has done a good thing, and that's the message it's trying to share. Um, with the signs and wonders that Philip's doing, um, Simon got so hung up on the actual miracle that he missed Jesus that Philip's miracles were pointing to. With the healing miracle like at New Wine, we can focus on exactly who did it and how spiritual that is and how great that is or where it happened and miss the fact that God is demonstrating his love and his power to us. So I think the challenge is we need to become aware, um, I guess, of two things. One is where we ourselves are distracted by looking at what others are doing. You know, so um, maybe in the, in the worship, we're thinking about the quality of the sound or whatever else. And we focus on that rather than on actually just worshiping God and giving him honor. Um, and similarly, I think sometimes the challenge can be for us as well. So if you are in any kind of position of um, serving, actually sometimes... There can be part of us, if we're honest, that actually kind of wants people to think we're doing a really good job. You know, whatever that serving is, actually, we quite like the attention. And actually, what we need to do is acknowledge that and say, do you know what, God, this is for you. This is for you and you alone. And actually, I want to give the honour to you. Because ultimately, um, it is he who gives us all of the good things that we have, down to the very breath in our lungs. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus. So we need to make sure that we point others and ourselves to him. So um, we're just going to have a bit of time to pray. Um, Claire's going to play a song. Um, the idea really is to give us a little bit of time to reflect. Um, so there's a couple of things that I thought might be relevant to some of us. So here's the first one. As you think about this, and I mentioned about people serving God, do you feel like maybe you shouldn't really be serving God or actually you don't feel able to serve God because there's certain qualifications that you lack. So that could be any, any kind of thing. It doesn't have to be an actual qualification. It could be how long you've been a Christian. It could be your age. It could be something else. And you think, actually, you know what? I can't serve God there. Or maybe, actually, in a, particularly in a church session, maybe you focus more on those who are serving God rather than in God himself. So you find, actually, I, I do get quite hung up on the mechanics of how church is working or how this small group is going or whatever. And actually, I struggle to really engage with God. Or if you're somebody who is serving God, is it something that you struggle with to actually, you know, you get distracted by wanting some of the attention or admiration for yourself? 
Um, and I'm not going to necessarily ask you to share this with other people. If you want to, fine, feel free to turn to somebody and ask them to pray with you. But while Claire and Tim uh, play, um, feel free to think about the words and actually to pray. I've given you some ideas. So actually, um, we want to point to Jesus. We want him to use us. And so if you're not feeling able to serve him, ask him to, ask him to show, him, uh, show his love for you. If it's like you get hung up on the details of how things happen, actually ask God to just redirect your focus. You're not looking at the hand, you're able to see the bird. You're not looking at the, me- the method. You can really see the message of what God is trying to say. And likewise, if you're serving, actually ask God to help you to want to see others to see Jesus more than yourself. So just a bit of time.